Hello and welcome to The Yarn and thanks for listening to the Wool Industry's number one podcast. I'm Kevin Wild. This episode is all about listening, how AWI listens to the many different views of Australia's wool growers and how that shapes how we as the industry's research, development, education and marketing body does its job. And our only purpose is to make it even more profitable for Australia's wool growers to make a living. In this episode, we hear from three of the seven members of the Wool Industries Consultative Panel. Chairman, Lindsay Douglas. Now, where are you today, Lindsay? I am sitting in the beautiful little Western Queensland town of Alpha for their ag show that starts tomorrow. So please put up with the wonderful birds twittering (laughs) in the background as well. And Danny Picker from the Australian Superfine Wool Growers Association. Where are you today, Danny? I'm actually sitting at home on a nice warm... 10 degree day. <laughs> and where's that? We're at uh, Bigger on the southern tablelands of New South Wales. Excellent. We'll also hear from Rob Ingram from the Australian Wool Growers Association a little bit later. And of course, we'll hear from other panel members in future episodes. Lindsay, can you say what is the Wool Industry Consultative Panel? Well, the purpose of the panel is to provide avenues for AWI to formally consult with wool growers, uh, to ascertain what are the, the industry priorities, what wool growers really think, what they're seeing on the ground. And now you can hear the testing for the dressage in the background of the Alpha Show, my apologies. But the idea is for those wool growers, and we've got seven representative bodies on the WICP to provide information and receive feedback on AWI's research, their marketing activities, what their projects are at the moment. And it came about through the Ernst & Young review of performance uh, that was undertaken. It was one of the outcomes that was laid down by Ernst & Young and the membership comprises seven bodies. So uh, you've got the Australian Association of Stud Merino Breeders, you've got the Superfines, Broadwools, Australian Wool Growers Association, the Commercial Merino U Competition Association, the pastoralists and graziers of WA and wool producers, of course. And in those meetings, we meet four times a year. They're, They're pretty extensive meetings. They cover a whole range of topics and it's certainly sort of a lot of two-way conversation, both from AWI um, and from the panel members who talk about the issues that are pertinent to their members. But we also have the Department of Agriculture in the room. Two board members of AWI are in attendance um, and several executives from AWI too, so that we can discuss progress on projects and initiatives that are upcoming and ideas and issues that are pertinent to various wool growers through those seven panel member bodies. So, Danny, what are, what are the most important issues for you and your members? The most important issue for our is the marketing of our wool. Like we have um, members of this, our association in China, Japan, Europe, and also here in Australia. And if we can't sell our wool, we don't believe a lot of the other issues are relative. But uh, our biggest issue at present is animal welfare. And we've seen over the last nine months in particular, obviously COVID had a, a big impact on price, but now it's it's tracking back at around 1300 uh, EMI. Are you confident and are your members confident that the only way is up in terms of the market and as more and more of our customers come back online, things are looking more positive in 2021? Um, yes, Kevin, I believe that there's a very big positive line there for Australian wool wool growers, the merino grower, because there's so many people leaving the industry. And when we have Europe completely out of the market or almost out of the market, we can only see a positive future. 
So it's really uh, a matter of things, do you think, steadily improving over the next 12 months or, or 18 months? We're, we're still yet to see those big European consuming countries back online. The European countries are still 12 months away from being fully functional. They are still in a, uh, in a minor way operating, but uh, there's, there's no sales out, outside the uh, shop front door at this stage. Now, let's hear from Rob Ingram from the Australian Wool Growers Association. He, he summed up the recent meeting that you were at as well, Danny and, and Lindsay, saying that included a, a rigorous debate. That's obviously a good thing. Oh, yes. These meetings are meetings that bring together the vast and rich tapestry of opinions across the wool sector. And uh, one of the really great new initiatives that we put into place recently is the AWI are giving us a really comprehensive business unit update. And that's telling us not only, you know, what AWI are working on, but the panel members are able to say, well, does this correlate with the issues and the things that really matter to us on the ground? And that covers all sorts of things from traceability to education extension and on-farm innovation what's going on around the world with various um, trade partners. And so there is certainly a quite a few bit of robust debate in those meetings. Rob spoke with Morris Cumming. We'll, we'll hear now from him. We raised uh, nine issues in today's meeting. A number of the key issues that we put forward today, there was discussion around wool queue. There was discussion around uh, shearer supply and shearer training. There was lots of discussion around um, going forward this year with Woolpole and the board elections. Issues around trying to get changes to the visas so we can get overseas shearers to come into Australia. So today the, the discussions were, were vigorous and uh, but you know conducted very civilly and there was consensus on many of the issues. A number of the issues were um, left open for further information to be provided to the panel. But what will come out of today's meeting now is a communique for us to take back to the growers. Given the briefing and the discussion today, you mentioned the key areas. How do you think things are tracking with AWI? Well, in terms of looking at it from the, the panel perspective, in the last two meetings we've been looking at how we improve our communications going forward. And I believe that where we've got to is... The process now it has much more um, gravitas and commitment from the panel members in terms of communicating with our wool grower networks. And AWI have been very constructive in this. In They continually make the point at the panel is that AWI want these wool grower committees and all the committees that, they've, that exist in the wool industry to work effectively right, in terms of the input into AWI so that AWI has strong consultative processes um, and information to go forward with its programs. It's evolving and it's getting better all the time. So it's an incredibly um, divided industry in that there's just so many different uh, ways to look at it. There's so and many different production systems. Um, and all those opinions mm, exist at the table. Right. Huh? And... I mean, what, what I see now is that, you know, the discussions are very open and, um, and people put forward their points and they, they are then, you know, discussed and taken forward and in most cases now we arrive at a consensus of what's needed to go forward. Lindsay, if I can bring you back in here, one of the, the real 
issues going forward for the industry is having that wall 2030 roadmap. How is that going and what needs to, to happen for everyone to be brought on board for that? Yeah, absolutely. So the wall 2030 um, strategic plan is intentionally a very aspirational document, um, but it does need to have a steering committee around it to measure outcomes, to influence uh, industry partners and different sectors to partake in the steps necessary to get towards that vision. And so the steering committee itself has not yet been formed, but the WICP are coming together with AWI and formulating what the steering committee should look like, which members of the supply chain should be involved, um, which international parties do we need on there, how many growers do we need, so on and so forth. And what we're determining at the moment is the metrics and milestones the steering committee will be responsible for. And that's the early phase of the implementation of the 2030 plan. But as I said, it's it's really aspirational. So it's important that we have some guidelines around it, some structure around it, so that the industry can move forward together towards that vision that was put together with huge consultation from the industry, might I add, to develop what they'd like to see it look like in, in a decade's time. One of the, the many challenges that the industry faces is one that to many of us seems completely illogical, and that is that there are there are moves for, for labelling in the European Union that would actually view wool as bad for the environment and actually put a, a red tag potentially on wool, but have a green tag on fibres which are man-made, which come from fossil fuels. Now, I'd like to hear from both of you, but the, to, to go to Danny, it doesn't seem to be a smart way of going and, and it's something that the industry is going to have to to push against and work with cotton in a natural sort of fibre coalition to make sure that the, the good news story about wool, that it's recyclable, it's sustainable, it's biodegradable, is actually heard so that we're not locked out of such a key market. Thanks, Kevin. Yes, ASWA, we're currently working on programs through some of our Italian members to work on carbon neutrality, uh, there's a lot of different avenues out there we have to look at, but it's well sort of gone crazy. The natural fibre of wool is by far the best, and most of the bills around the world are now really uh, working hard on their effluent. There's very little pollution going out into the seas from, from scouring mills these days, and uh, I think it's just the publicity side. We have to be right in there, as you said, and publicise our wool positively. And also, we're really positive here in Australia. We're a very fragmented country where everyone has an opinion, but no one's really leading positively for us. Lindsay, was that something that obviously came up in the meeting and it, it's actually one of the real issues that, that all wool growers uh, can really get behind in a unifying way? Because if we don't win this this fight and find that uh, that wool is viewed as a negative when it comes to labelling, that, that could be a, a really bad signal, not just in Europe, but setting the standard right across the world. Yeah, you're right, Kevin. Um, in, the, in the meetings for the WICP, there are often topics that unify all seven panel members, and this was one of them. It was It's, it's quite shocking to think that the um, metric or ranking system for the uh, environmental benefits of wool don't take into consideration the full life cycle, and in some ways they preference materials and fibres that are – 
it's common sense that they simply aren't as good a fibre or as biodegradable a fibre or as beneficial a fibre as wool. One of the things that AWI updated us on it is that they are working with their consultants, with their European teams to gain support on this issue because it is such a significant threat at the moment and that they're going to continue working with other industry bodies and planning to collaborate with large influential brands in France and the UK on the benefits of wool. But this is one of those topics that all the different sectors across the wool industry and all of the different representative bodies can unite behind and and get a really clear voice on this because it's incredibly important now, particularly as consumers become more and more focused on the decisions that they make around uh, the environmental sustainability and the biodegradability of their food and fibre. Shearing has also been uh, a real challenge due to to COVID. We've now got the bubble back uh, with New Zealand, but it's unclear if it will hold and also if if many New Zealand shearers are going to come across. Is that something that the WICP and its its members have been trying to work out a, a way of overcoming and also increasing the Australian workforce? Yeah, absolutely. Um, Shearer issues often dominate conversations in our WICP meetings. We've talked about award rate misinformation, the need for increased shearers, and we ask for updates from AWI on their training and retention programs, and um, certainly a big topic, and and Augur have championed this significantly, have been around um, visa pathways for international shearers. There's there's been a call for greater communication between the various organisations and parties involved with shearing across Australia so that we can all come together on this particular topic. But I mean, Danny's probably better place than I am as someone who doesn't uh, grow wool to talk about the impacts on the ground. Indeed. And and New South Wales, because it is the, the, the biggest producer, it also has has had the, the largest challenge over the last six to nine months. Danny, your thoughts? Yeah, there's a lot of different aspects affecting this. Shearers are jumping in for more money wherever they can get it. But also we need to look after our shearers and our teams. A lot of Farms haven't updated their shearing sheds for 50 years. Uh, We need to look after our shearers and we need to introduce a young, fresh shearer any time we can into our sheds. But uh, as long as we look after them, another problem I feel is hitting the Australian sheep industry is the fact that sheep are getting very large. And I noticed a lot of shearers these days now, they want more money. If they've got to drag out 100 kilo sheep, that is a problem to them. Yeah, that's that's a very large sheep. I mean, if, if someone was dealing with a uh, hundred kilo footballer running at them or or trying to wrestle with them, that would be be hard enough. But in some cases, with those rams, it it, it wouldn't be fun at all. I think you'd find Kevin that there's ewes getting up around hundred kilos out there these days, especially in the crossbreeder sector, but also in the broader wool merinos. Indeed. Well, thank you both for your time. I know you're you're both busy and Lindsay, you've got uh, some work to do as well up in in Southern (laughs) Queensland. So thank you, Danny. Thank you, Lindsay. And we also heard from Rob Ingram from Augur as well. Australian Wool Innovation is on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. Please join us again. And thank you very much for having a yarn with us. Enjoy the rest of your day.